On R2C2, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco guide listeners through everything going on in the MLB, NBA, and NFL. They also talk to friends, athletes, and celebrities about the world of sports and much more. Check out R2C2 with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, tuning out of Jacob deGrom at 7.45 tonight so that we can tune in to the Beloit Snappers against the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. The minor league season starts tonight, and we are a buzzing. Jordan Schusterman, hello. How are you? How's it going? I am doing so well. Happy minor league opening day to all of our friends. It is so great to have it back. Nearly 600 days since we last had MILB in our lives. And of course, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. You want to say something? I see I see your face. You're like, yeah. oh, oh, I want to say something. Go, go, say it, say it, say it. Hashtag make it minor, baby. <laughs> Hashtag make it minor. Uh, I, I think that's the, I think they're going with MILB major fun, which, you know, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a twist there uh, for our minor fun. Here. It's minor league fun. That's it's okay. Fun. No, I know. It's fine. We should, we should embrace the, the minor, the minor aspects of it. Uh, we're going to talk about minor league baseball because we're so happy to have it back. We are going to talk about the first month of Major League Baseball, which is now behind us and what we have learned in each of our six divisions. We are going to talk about Tony La Russa because obviously that's what we talk about on this show. We're going to play a game about relievers, which is going to be very silly. We will do the good, the bad, the ugly, and then we will say goodbye. But Jake, because it is minor league opening day, because we have gone so long without it, we must begin there. Because if anyone is listening to this and they, you know, I mean, we've talked about it on the show before. We did an entire episode devoted to how much we love minor league baseball, which we should probably re-promote <laughs> today would be a good time to do that. Uh, we love minor league baseball. It is a huge reason of, of why we have, me and Jake have gotten to do all the things that we do is driving around the country to see minor league games and embracing the weirdness, the wackiness, the wonderful that is the minors because it is a much more accessible, it is a much more uh, pure, it is a much more intimate 
baseball experience than when you go to Yankee Stadium and pay $300 for a hot dog and two beers and sit far away and boo Aaron Judge. Uh, this is a lot more fun. It's a lot more He's calm. injury prone, Jordan. It, it He's is. injury prone. Oh, he is injury prone. That's right. Why yeah, does yeah. he play 162 games? He's not That's like That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, um, uh, we love minor league baseball, and I have a lot of feelings about this. Um, obviously, uh, but where, where would you like to begin? Because this is a really special day. I would like to begin with the necessary caveat, which is, you know, a 21 gun salute, a 42 gun salute, Jordan, for the 42 minor league baseball teams that were axed as part of major league baseball's reduction. I called it in an article today, honey, I shrunk the minors. Um, we are of the mind that it was not necessary that less baseball, less accessible baseball in America is a bad thing for the health of the game nationwide, that streamlining the minors for the benefit of major league teams misses the point that not all baseball needs to exist for the sole purpose of major league baseball running more efficiently and, you know, making more money. And like, it's a bummer. There are 42 communities today who don't have baseball, who should have baseball, who had baseball in the past. And that sucks. And like that will cloud any conversation about the shit that we love about the minor leagues coming into this year because so much is different. So much has changed. And I just feel for those people who in Trenton or in Hagerstown or in Clinton, Iowa, right? Or in La or Lancaster, California. Anywhere in the upper Midwest, basically. If you're in the Rockies, if you're in Montana, you know, the Pioneer League, right. obviously one of the biggest victims of this reorganization. Um, and look, we know that a, a lot of these police places will continue to have baseball in some form. And I hope it's different. That, it's, I it's, hope it, it is different. Baseball is different. It's not it, bad. It's, it's not worse, but it is certainly different. It is certainly different. But taking that connection away, from the major league team to see guys, whether it's the first round draft pick that comes to town, whether it's the 21st round draft pick that, you know, the host family grows to love and have and, and you know, be around. And like, these are relationships that you cannot replicate. And uh, we are thinking of these people today because we've we've done we've done these. We've been to these towns. We know what these teams mean to these people. Right. And so um, that sucks. And it's and also and it worth a shame that that is a reality. It's worth pointing out which of the teams got axed too, right? So you, you, a lot of these places are teams that had uh, worse facilities, um, which generally means some of them are in places where it's, you know, maybe a less developed, less financially booming type of town where those people don't have convenient access to baseball as much as they used to, right? You have to think about like what got pulled and why. And those older teams, those older stadiums that maybe got axed, like, there's a lot of history there and there's a lot of weirdness there. We we don't want a cookie cutter brand new uh, minor league stadium and weird logo everywhere, right? We need a little bit of variety in that world. And so that's one of the reasons we're bummed. But I will say part of the reason that the contraction of minor league teams hurts so much is because of how much we do genuinely, authentically love this world. It is not a calculated place in the way that Major League Baseball is, right? Sometimes things just fucking happen because in and of themselves, and there's no greater goal, there's no greater plan. It's just baseball on a field for entertainment's sake. 
And there's something incredibly, incredibly beautiful about that. Jordan, what is one thing kind of stands above the rest, percolating in your brain that has you most buzzing about the upcoming minor league season? Well, I mean, personally, and I I hope a lot of people, of course, have already been vaccinated and will be able to attend minor league opening day today and in the coming weeks. But, you know, I get my second shot next week and I am just, again, more excited to go to a minor league game. I, I will, I might even go as far to say is more likely that I will attend a minor league game before I attend a major league game because that, the experience of going to, it's just, it really is so much more peaceful. It is so much more um, memorable. Like I remember minor league games so much more because you're closer. You can literally hear the game better than you can at a major league game. You can see it, you can smell it, you can feel it. You can, it's just, you take it in so much more personally, um, let alone, of course, the the affordability. So actually going is is, is certainly one, but man, there's so many players there's that so we much. just- that we just love in this world. Uh, and I like, I am so excited to no longer be beholden to alt site rumors that teams are putting out saying that their prospect was throwing 98 miles an hour. Like, box scores, the, the baby. box scores, the numbers will speak for themselves. And, and again, it's not, it's not about the stats. It's not about the, I know the prospect side is one part of the minors that everyone loves. And of course we love that too. And we're talking about the whole experience, but this is the competition. These are what these players want too. They don't want to be playing inner squads where the freaking coach is playing left field. Like they, they want to be playing against other players and these finally will have that opportunity finally to be actually to see what these players are actually capable of uh, for good and for worse, right? Because for the last 18 months, we've just assumed all of our team's favorite prospects, unless they're getting injured, are doing great. And that's not how it works, right? And we want them all to be great, but I can't wait to have it be proven and have these guys have the opportunity to prove it. It's really exciting. I had a daydream yesterday where I drove two hours with you, Jordan. We stopped off and got fast food on the way. We rolled up to a minor league stadium an hour or two before first pitch. It took us four minutes to go from my car to our seats. Behind home plate. (laughs) Behind home plate that we paid $10 for. We spent maybe $75 at the team store buying unnecessary bullshit that we'll give away in two months. We did maybe two or three laps around the stadium, got bored in the fifth inning, sat on a grassy berm, watched the Friday night fireworks on a beautiful July evening. And that's the whole thing. That's I the mean, whole it literally, thing. It, it is the I whole. I know it's been two years. It feels like it's been 50. Like, uh, I, I, can't, I can't even be- begin to explain how excited I am to do something like, like that this summer. Danny Duffy wants to be buried a Royal. I want to be buried in a minor league stadium. <laughs> I will allow a, a minor league team as a promotion. They can bury me under the field before first pitch. <laughs> As a pro, yeah, promo night. <laughs> Barry Jake Mintz night. Barry Jake oh, Mintz night. <laughs> oh, you get to wear all oh, the jerseys are are you know it's like all the different phases of fashion that Jake went my, through in his my life. My kids are like my kids are like what what what? <laughs> oh, it's so I'm crazy. Sad. I'm oh, legitimately <laughs> look what the Greensboro Grasshoppers are doing. Whoa, Barry Jake Mintz night. All right. Anyway, so that's just one of the many things. Here's my last point on this, and then we'll get to the Major League action because I know most of you listening to this podcast are like, talk about the Dodgers. Okay, I know, I know. I Barry know. Jake Mintz. <laughs> Come on down. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're um, playing the Columbus <laughs> Firefly. 
When you when you first said it, Columbia. I thought you were like offering the promo for like next week. I was like, dude, we got pods to do, Jake. We can't bury Jake Mincenate. Come no, on. No, no, no. This is a little bit. But it's going to be a long Mince. way from now. I mean, it's your choice. You know? It's right. your choice. Bury Jake Mintz a live night. Ooh, maybe we could do this Ooh, at a minor league stadium. Ring. Kind of illegal. Kind of, illegal. Kind of, illegal. Kind of illegal. Uh, We could do this depending on how the bike trip goes along sure. one of the minor league teams that we stop at. Yeah. Like if, th- yeah. if shit really goes south through me like in Toledo… <laughs> We just pivot, and then it's yeah. Barry Jake Minster. All right, we'll have that. We'll we have might that have to bag. bury you at one of the minor league stadiums in Toledo. Gonna say, I was going to say after that 120 mile day, you might be you might be in for a rough one. Um, uh, West Michigan Whitecaps, we're coming your way. Okay, um, the last keep thing a shovel handy, say, West Michigan. <laughs> last, last thing I want to say about this, I'll, I'll ship you the tombstone. And I don't, I don't want this. I don't want this to sound like I'm complaining because obviously I'm, I'm very excited. But it really started to hit me because minor league baseball is the last baseball to really return. I know there's events like the League World Series that we haven't seen in two years, whatever. But like a year ago, basically exactly a year ago, this is perfect. Was KBO opening day? Okay, you know baseball shuts down at the end of March. April is just a wasteland. There is nothing. There is nothing to watch. Okay, end of April. Oh, if you want to wake up and, you know, gamble on CPBL, you can do that. But it's a little dicey. Okay, KBO. Now You can do that. You did that. (laughs) We can ease into, okay, now we have KBO. Okay, there's no college summer leagues. Obviously, college is done. Okay, all right, Major League Baseball is back. Okay, great. Now we have Major League Baseball, but there's no minor leagues. Okay, now we have Winter League. Now it's back. Okay, now it's like, oh, my God. Now there's college back. Now there's majors back. And now the minors back. And now I'm just like, oh, my God. I, there, we're, it's, we're rolling. This is it. This is it. We made it. We finally, a year later, we are back, not at full capacity in stadiums, thankfully, but pandemic not over. Pandemic not over. Pandemic very much not over, of course, but we are, we are a f- almost full systems go and it is, uh, it is overwhelming and it is extremely exciting and there is no shortage of baseball to consume and love and appreciate. Meet me on the grassy berm, Jordan Schusterman down the left field line. With a cold Dr. Pepper, not an ad. All right, let's talk about Major League Baseball, which is, for those of you new, is kind of like Minor League Baseball, except everyone gets paid closer to a fair wage. (laughs) And paid literally hundreds of times more. (laughs) And the players are a little bit bigger, a little bit older, a little bit better. More people in the stadiums. Uh, The teams play in larger municipalities. uh, And in Milwaukee um, as well. Second and third decks of the ballpark. So like the lights are like way up there. There are seats like beyond the outfield, Mm -hmm. sometimes all the way around the outfield, which is really something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, there are 40 year olds. There's like a couple of them, but there are, they are there. (laughs) Anyway, they're playing. They're playing. playing. So speaking of old people, Jordan Schusterman, I, we're going to do a little game in a second, kind of taking, a look at what's happened so far around the league. But there is a topic on this podcast that has bubbled back up to the fore in the general baseball discourse. And we would be remiss if we did not talk about it. Old people, George Tony LaRussa, back in the news, the manager of the Chicago White Sox when he was hired. I told you he wasn't going to get hired. And I was kind of right because maybe he shouldn't have been. Uh, Jordan Schusterman. Things are not great right now on the south side of Chicago for the baseball club that plays there. Tony La Russa has been under scrutiny recently, not just for maybe some of the clubhouse, I don't want to say divisions, but like 
clubhouse lack of smoothness that may be existing because of his advanced age, but also he's receiving scrutiny for his bad pitching management decisions. What as well as hitting <laughs> hitting management as well as hitting decisions. management lineup general in game yep. management. Mm-hmm. Jordan Schusterman, mm-hmm. I raise this question to you: Will Tony Larusa be in Chicago when I roll in there on my bike on April on August fifth? Uh, I do believe so. It is worth pointing out that while it does feel like there have been some concerns, and 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 this is something I think we identified early on in the season, uh, which is a great thing for White Sox fans, is that White Sox fans now on Twitter are have elevated to the every single game feels like the end of the world in one way or the other. Um, and that is a good reminder when you pull up the standings and you see that they have that they're one game behind Kansas City. They're three games above 500. They have a plus 28 run differential, which is third best in baseball. And it's like, okay, how bad are things really going? Now you could say, all right, well then, then, then what's to criticize? Well, now they've had a lot of injuries. We know Eloy is, is out for seems like Luis, probably most of the year. Luis Robert now out for 12 to 16 weeks, which at that point you just toss probably months more. on that. Yeah, we're you can not, just toss not, months. Yeah, let's just say months. We will we will probably not have Luis Robert for a while. And what that has meant uh, is a lot of Billy Hamilton. A lot of Adam E. A lot of, well, Adam Engel's hurt too, but Adam Eaton and a lot of Lurie Garcia. And this is driving White Sox fans crazy, partially because, mostly because, they put Andrew Vaughn on the team (laughs) because presumably they were like, we're going for it for, you know, service time be damned. Let's go. Let's Andrew Vaughn. And Andrew Vaughn is just not playing all that much. <laughs> and that's really frustrating for White Sox fans. And so while you could say, look, they're still, they've still been good. And it's true. They have still been good. Now, they've also been, you know, fueled by God-level your mean Mercedes. That wasn't necessarily Ooh. part of the plan, which we love. But it's not like that was something that they were, they were expecting. And that has helped them a lot. The pitching has been... <laughs> Keuchel has been not great. Lucas has... has his ERA has tanked by two one horrible outing on a Monday morning in Boston and another one where he was clearly left in for too long part of why Lewis has been criticized and then the bullpen has been way 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 more inconsistent than I think people thought people look at this bullpen and like oh my god look at this, this is incredible uh Hendricks has already allowed four home runs there's no way he allowed four home runs last year if not the year before too the younger guys like Hoyer and Foster have really 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 struggled and have expressed openly somewhat some some discontent about how Tony's been managing them. And so while the other not bad, uh, you feels like it should be going a whole lot better than it is. If the Chicago White Sox look up in the standings, they will see the Kansas City Royals right now. The Royals so far have been good in part because of Mike Matheny, who five years ago, we were like, he's not a good manager. Like, not, I don't believe in it. And then all indications for whatever reason seem like he knows what he's doing in Kansas City. The White Sox have done what they've done so far, not because of Tony La Russa, but in way, in a way, in spite of Tony La Russa, right? Despite him. And I think that's really important. Our concerns with this club heading into the season were two. Can La Russa handle this? And so far, all indications seem no. There's really not another team in baseball that has this type of discussion percolating around its manager so far. I guess kind of the Yankees, but not really, right? And the second concern was depth. I picked the Twins to win the division, which doesn't look great either right now, but don't worry about that. (laughs) And my concern with Chicago was they had no depth. Is that players 
15 to 35 were not as good as, say, the Mets offseason. No, the Mets are not looking good either, but ignore that point too. That Both of those concerns have come to the fore only a month into season, right? And I still think they're really good. I still think they're going to be fine. I am more worried today than I was at the beginning of the year about LaRusse's ability to keep this thing together. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and But again, I think they would have to be a lot. Again, the, the main point is, is that like, when you when you follow this and you 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 if you follow White Sox fans, you would think they're three games under and in fourth. Like it yeah. really does feel that way. Um, and they're not. They're they're okay. Um, but yeah, it, it, we'll see, man. I mean, obviously, we we have our own reasons to be following the Larusa saga, but uh, it, it is it is a huge story in baseball beyond uh, Jake's biking, and yeah. that is uh, that is that is why we are talking about it. Okay, more on that if, later. If Larusa got fired and rehired to a different team midway through, would Jake have to then bike from Chicago no. to that city? No, keep going. Yeah, Great question. Down. I mean, what? can you imagine he gets hired by the Mets? Oh, I'd rather not. <laughs> Larusa being, La being bad and clearing the way for Mike Matheny is some next level. Ha, you thought that is really funny. How are how are our Cardinals fans doing right now? It's got to be a weird experience. <laughs> um, maybe we'll talk about that some other time. All right, well, now we're going to play a little game. We're going to go relatively rapid fire here. We are looking at the standings. It is currently May fourth. Um, we are over a month into the season. And, you know, when you just look strictly at who's in first and there's no no one's necessarily running away with things. But we wanted to go division by division to say, hey, what if we learned? Right. We preview the season here. We felt like we we put the teams into tiers. Right. We put them. We said, hey, oh, this team could be here 70 or 90. Oh, this team's like pretty promising, but not quite there yet. Um, these teams stink. Right. And those are mostly been right. OK, so we have all those things. What have we learned? What has changed our mind about the first season? Yes. We're going to try to keep it quick. Uh, and I want to say, Jordan, oh, yeah, go ahead. I want to be clear that we don't fucking know anything right now. No. A month in. No, no, if you look at the standings, four of the six division leaders have negative run differentials right now. Kansas City, Oakland, Washington, and Milwaukee all have negative run differentials in our leading divisions. That will not be the case at the end of the season. I don't know if that's ever happened. Don't, don't believe that's mathematically don't bet on that. possible. <laughs> don't bet on that. Okay. The point being, we really don't know. Things have not really been clarified as a whole, nor are they ever after one month. But there are some things, there are some tidbits, some nuggets within the world of baseball, some truths that we have learned. And Jordan, let's begin in the American League East. What is one thing that you have unequivocally learned in that division? Uh, I have unequivocally learned that the Red Sox don't suck. Yep. And that the Blue Jays lineup, when it gets going, might end up being the best in baseball. And that is mostly because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is having an MVP season. That is mostly because George Springer just got back. That's mostly because they have stayed afloat at 14 and 13 with their wacky pitching and just bizarre array of bullpen arms minus Kirby Yates, who they lost before he even threw a pitch. Uh, they're not even a full operation yet, and I think that they're going to be scary. And they're the team with, I believe, the most upside. I know the Yankees, of course, they're a big topic in this, but like, the Blue Jays are the team that I am most intrigued by as far as the upside because of what Vlad has been and what I still believe this offense can do. I don't think we've learned anything really about the Yankees or the Rays, where it's like they're both at 500 and they're both still probably pretty good. And I'm sure things will start looking up for them as we move forward and the good players will be good. Like, I don't, I think it's actually 
pretty simple, despite all the yelling. Call me biased, Jordan. The one thing I've learned in this division is that the Baltimore Orioles are not a dumpster fire. They are not good. They are certainly not a dynamic baseballing club, but they are not an embarrassment. They are not. Is that, and they are not you, an embarrassment. They're absolutely not an embarrassment. They're not. And how do we know that? Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the Fangraphs playoff odds, which put them in 0.1% to make the playoffs. Oh, let's let's go. go. Let's go, baby. Oh, man. They, Parade uh, down Pratt <laughs> Street. Jordan, let's do it. Put 0.1 on the back of a jersey and put I mints know. up there. You did this, man. I know. I know. They, really, we, they willed it. it. Actually, Cedric Mullins did it. But... By himself. The no, Orioles, the Orioles are not, you're right. You're right. They're not. Coming into the season, Jordan, we went on a podcast, mm-hmm. one of the best podcasts it is ever, a podcast that it specifically looks at the bad teams of baseball. Okay? Yeah. And those teams that were included were Baltimore, Detroit, Texas. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Colorado. Colorado. Seattle. Okay? Seattle. Of those teams, I am pretty sure the Orioles are not the worst. They are no, not. They are not. not. <laughs> I have watched enough bad Orioles baseball. People love hating on how much of a trash fire the Orioles are. And there are some nights where they're out there against the Yankees and they're throwing, you know, Bruce Zimmerman and they lose 12 to zero <laughs> and Aaron Judge hits four home runs. Those are going to happen. Right. Right. But what's important is that they are actually grinding out, competing, and they're in games and it is just mind-blowing and i'm it's, so happy they're about giving it. you reasons to watch they're giving you they're giving me reasons to watch that's all i can ask but jordan speaking of reasons to watch the american league central yes uh, the detroit tigers are not a reason to watch ever uh no. that is my takeaway from the american league central no. is that the tigers we went on this podcast two weeks ago and we were like the rangers are the worst team in baseball we were wrong it's the tigers uh it's pretty hindsight is 2020 no hindsight is 8 and 21 which is what the tigers <laughs> record is and with a minus 62 run differential, which is so far and away the worst in baseball. I know a lot of that came this past weekend against the Yankees. Uh, the Tigers are just, I mean, really, really tough to watch. Okay, so they're, they're bad. We know that. What I'm taking away from this first month, and I know we think, okay, well, this isn't what the Yankees are. This isn't what the Twins. But when I look at the Yankees, I see they're two and a half back. When I see the Twins and they're five back from Kansas City, we're at a point now where, yeah, I believe the Twins are better than what they've been. But... They weren't so overwhelmingly better to where you could have this first month the way that they are. You could have the B5 games back, be, be fourth behind teams that clearly aren't that bad and feel actually good. Like, I think the Twins have a lot of work to do. And what I've learned is I am officially concerned about the Twins' ability to make the postseason. That, that is mm. honestly my takeaway. Um, not that I think that they're a bad team, but just where... They sit relative to these teams ahead of them and how good I think Cleveland and Kansas City actually are compared to the White Sox, who we do believe are better than this. I'm worried about the Twins' ability to make the postseason. That's a good one. Not for the Twins. Which is fine because right. then they maybe won't lose, you know, a 19th postseason game in a row. Uh, I could put that Can't lose it if you don't get there, Jordan. Can't lose it if you don't get there. Uh, AL West, Jake Mintz, do you have uh, a takeaway from the AL West? Nothing has changed. With the Oakland A's, it's the same shit. It, it's like, it's been a very volatile start to the year. They, I think they lost their first five, and then they won, I think, 11 or 10 in a row. It's been very up and down. But at the end of the day, it's the same cast of characters, and they're just they're just good. Like, they just win baseball games. Ramon Laureano might be the next guy to go from very good to, like, elite now. He's 
single-handedly won a baseball game for them against the Orioles on Sunday. I still don't know who the hell's pitching for them, but they sit at 18 and 12, and I think they're pretty good. Will they win the division? I said they would at the beginning of the year. Houston is kind of a sleeping giant so far, but I think Oakland is just going to win the wild card. Like, they're just going to be one of the wild card teams again. Yeah, Houston, I think Houston is still the better team. I think Houston at 15 and 13 has just been, like, they had the, they, they lost, you know, most of their stars to, to COVID for, like, a low stretch there. They've stayed above water. Their pitching's very weird, but I still think Houston is the best team, and Oakland's just been hot for longer. Um, and then <laughs> Angels, I mean... What? what? <laughs> Look, I told you, like, this is how it works. We said we put them in 70-90. We said we'll do 70-90 because this is how the Angels work and they're going to end up at 82. Nothing looks appeared to be uh, any different. Um, all of their one-year, half their one-year players are doing great and half of them are doing horribly. So uh, that is how that works. Uh, let's move to the National League. The National League East, 18, this is... <laughs> I mean, the Washington Nationals currently sit in first place at 12 and 12. The top four teams in the division have a negative run differential. The fighting fish, the hot fish, the Miami Marlins at 11-16 have a plus four run differential. This is just the most bizarre division. We saw this as four teams that were loading up to all be competing. And what has that resulted in? Just a bunch of slop, a bunch of ugly, ugly, ugly baseball with a lot of big names and superstars in the mix but just teams just trading awful losses, awful wins, like left and right. And what has it amounted to? The 12 and 12 Washington Nationals, who have been not good. Like, they have not been, they, they barely had Juan Soto. The pitching has not been good. They haven't had Strasburg. They have they, they had to have two Kyle Schwarzer walk-off homers. First place. Like, and the Marlins, like, <laughs> like, are right there. Like, I don't think they're that much. They haven't played that much worse. I feel like they've played better than than these teams have. So, man. When, when MLB had that meeting and they were like, all right, we're going to contract the Appalachian League and the New York Penn League. They should have included the National League East because you can't tell me that this baseball is better than rookie ball. Okay, maybe <laughs> you can. But these teams have been an absolute embarrassment so far. No one is really standing out. I haven't actually learned shit from any of these five teams. I guess, you know what my one takeaway is? Yeah. The Phillies are must-see TV for some of the right reasons and some of the wrong ones. I know that things have been rocky for all of these teams, but the Phillies are the roller coaster, man. I put my neck out for this club before the season. <laughs> they were my postseason pick. And like, they, they just find a way to lose games. And it's really, I've watched a lot of them. I can't imagine being an actual Phillies fan. It must be just horrible for you. Um, Five out of five doctors recommend don't be a Phillies fan. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know, man. It's just just so funny to me how we were just looking at these four rosters and being like, wow, look at these stars, right? And a lot of those stars have been awesome. Acuna has been everything we could have hoped, right? I know we've barely seen Soto, um, but like, you know, Bryce Harper has been unbelievable. DeGrom has been unbelievable. And it just, it's just amounted to this ugly mess. And I think it is a great contrast to the National League Central because the National League Central is, I think, the division that we, if you had asked me which which division would have the standings that the National League East currently has at the end of April, I would 
100 times out of 100, pick the National League Central. And while the National League Central is also close, I mean, a lot of these divisions are close, we have started to kind of see uh, the tiers begin to emerge, I think pretty accurately with what we said at the beginning uh, of the season, which is that the Pirates are at the bottom, okay, although they haven't been that bad. They're currently tied with the Cubs, so credit to Pittsburgh here. We think that we thought the Cardinals were clearly ahead. They've now won five in a row, and they've started to look a lot better. And the Brewers, who are also tied with the, with the Cardinals, you really like the Brewers coming into this year because you trusted Craig Council, you love the pitching, and that has pr- turned to be to be very true. Now, the offense is still a complete fucking mystery. I, I don't really believe in any. I know they haven't had Yelich. Hira just got optioned, which is heartbreaking for me. You know, I love Keston Hira. But I'm not really sure how they're doing it besides, you know, Burns and Woodruff and the amazing bullpen. But that's, I guess, exactly how we expected them to do it. So I think this is kind of the division that has ended up what I expected. Um, it's just maybe not as it's already it's already starting to separate in a way that I thought maybe would happen later in the season. Right. Which is comforting. It's comforting when things happen as you expect. Speaking of things happening as we expected, my takeaway from this division, Jordan Schusterman, the Chicago Cubs dead ball era soft tossing rotation experiment not working. Has Who could have exactly told you that? As expected, which is I, I believe they are the worst I think the highest starting rotation ERA, if not, you know, bottom three or something, or top three, however you want to call it. Um, it's uh, It's been bad. It's been really, really, really tough to watch. And by the way, they've been saved by like Craig Kimbrell just completely finding it and being right. back to himself. And, and without that, everyone's I mean, be been healthy. Worse. Everyone's been healthy. Everyone's making all their starts. They're just not making them well. And this was the concern. It was like, okay, well, if, the good Cubs players bounce back like Chris Bryant has absolutely done. And Javi Baez in the last two weeks has definitely done is the rotation enough to make this not a sham. And, and the answer is no. Can I just say really quickly? um, I know how much you love the Cubs, Bobby. Javier Baez total walks on the season still sitting at one, one One walk through the first month and change. Javi, Why haven't you walked a second time? Um, yeah, Bobby, it's his walk year. <laughs> He's got to save him. He's got to save him for the offseason. You would think. Uh, let's his move wa- to the National League West. Javi Baez with one walk in his walk year. Okay. <laughs> the National League West, the best division in baseball. Uh, as things currently stand, San Francisco Gigantes sit first place, 17 and 11. The Dodgers are 17 and 12. The Padres are 17 and 13. So it's all kind of bunched. Arizona. Within shouting distance at 15 and 13, and the Rockies in last, and they fucking suck. Jordan Schusterman, take away from the National League West. Uh, I think the Giants are good enough to make this interesting, not to necessarily win the division. But like we had identified the Dodgers and Padres as being so far ahead that we would just be talking about them both at 90 wins, you know, when we enter September or, you know, in August. And it was like, all right, how are they going to? you know, break it down here. But at this point, the again, it's it's a bizarre team. We talked about them uh, a couple weeks ago, but like, I don't know. I, I don't really see how the bottom falls out of the Giants because the, the, their their performances have been built in a lot of ways on not necessarily like young players having crazy hot starts, but mostly like really veteran players just returning to extremely impressive form or pitching projects that like, 
I trust Farhan Zaidi knows what he's talking about and knows how to build a bullpen, knows how to build a bizarre rotation with Anthony DiScofani and whatever. And like, I just don't think they're bad. And that alone has made this far more compelling. And it could be a situation where the Dodgers and Padres race is decided by how they do against the Giants. And maybe we're disrespecting the Giants by saying that, but that's still kind of where I stand one month in. One of my takeaways is that I don't care how good the Giants are because they are incredibly boring. If you're a Giants fan and you're listening to this and you're like, that's not fair. They're fun. I get to watch 39-year-old Buster Posey. Like, cool. I'm happy for you. If your team is good and they're winning ball games and you didn't expect that to happen, enjoy it. Revel in it. No, I'm not trying to yuck your yum. But your yum is yucky. Okay? Because this team. Uh, I would say it's yucky. It is not yummy. It's not yummy. This is this team is just eating an untoasted piece of of rye bread. That's it. That's all it is. Because certainly sustenance. Certainly, certainly certainly gets the job done. Um, not excited. Not excited. Everyone is over thirty years old, except for uh, Austin Slater, who is not moving the needle for me. Um, Johnny Cueto is on the IL, and so I'm not even tuning in to watch him pitch anymore. They, they're pretty good. They're better than we thought, certainly, but I just, I'm not watching them. I don't really, Thank I try they have, yeah, th- th- their, their, their points, uh, the points in their favor are West Coast team, not as many games, so you're going to watch them anyway, and obviously elite broadcast. So yes. that's why I'm the, doing it for the Giants. The Giants are like Downton Abbey. Like my, my mom and my sister a while ago, they were like, yo, you got to watch Downton Abbey. Like it's pretty good. Right. Like you're going to love it. It's like, okay, it's and fine. I, it's good. I just am not. I watched an episode of it and I, I was like, yeah, like the costumes are really impressive. And like, I'm sure this, the acting is great, but it's just not for me. Like I, I, there's not enough spark here. There's not enough fl- like spice and flavor in the show. Like I can't do it. And that's how I feel about the 2021 giants. Meanwhile, like the Padres <laughs> Opposite of that. Yeah, the Padres are the opposite, and they've been pretty volatile. I mean, they've been good. They're it's not like they've they've disappointed, but um, they've had some some clunkers for sure where it all kind of just falls apart. The pitching has obviously been a little bit questionable, uh, certainly on the on the health side, especially. Um, and then Arizona, I have no idea what to make of. I mean, I obviously don't expect them to be above 500, but I thought they were a candidate to be really bad in a way that I they're basically what they're doing this year is what I expected them to be last year when they sucked. So, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having a tough time, uh, uh, figuring them out. I think the most important thing, sorry, back to the Padres for a second is to keep the vibe train rolling 17 and 13 through 30 games is great. That's fine. Everyone's feeling good. Padres fans are feeling good. There are obviously some concerns with the rotation and Everyone knows what subluxation means now, but the general energy around the San Diego Padres is about as good as it was a month ago, and they just have to keep it that level at the end of May, at the end of June, and they'll open their eyes and they'll have 90 wins by the end of the year, and that's great. I agree. Uh, last thought before we we send it to break and, and return with a little game <laughs> with relievers, uh, I just want to say that we're 30 games in and we are not halfway done with the season. Mm. Oh, that, it's so isn't good. Isn't that a nice feeling? Like, all everyone. So like, good. Last year, when we were 30 games in, we were like, oh, it's 30 games. Who cares? Oh, oh, never mind. Half the season's over. Oh, my God. We have to panic. Uh, There's a long way to go, friends. So, if we said your team sucks, we might be right, but we also <laughs> might not know what we're talking about because there's a long way to go. All right, Jake, we're going to take a quick break and we will be back with a game about 
relief pitchers. I am very much excited for this. Back in a second. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we are back here on Baseball Barbecue. And before we get to the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, I just wanted to play a little bit of a game. I know last week we, we, we brought back Why Haven't You Homered Yet. Now I want to flip it over to the pitching side. And we're going to play a game with Jake Mintz to see how well he knows the great relief cores across this great land. Uh, because relievers, especially uh, a, a month into the season, are, are known for putting up some particularly funny and very silly sample sizes, some good, some not so good. And to test Jake's knowledge here, uh, we're going to play a game uh, called Does This Reliever Have an ERA of Zero or Over Five? Now, if mm. you're thinking, <laughs> well, that's how hard should that be? Okay, well, now, again, we're going to limit this to pitchers who technically qualify as relievers. What that basically means is at least eight or nine innings, you know, 10 or so appearances or so. So we're not talking about guys who have pitched once. These are guys who have appeared in, you know, 30 or 40% of their games, of their team's games, and their ERA is either over five, which is not good, or zero, meaning they have not allowed a single earned run. Jake Mintz, are you, any thoughts or, or before we begin? Um, I think this is going to be sneaky hard, and I am not embarrassed about how poorly I will do. Okay, that's fine. That is why this is a game. <laughs> uh, and we will begin with the question. With the pitcher. Taylor Hearn of the Texas Rangers. Does Taylor Hearn have an ERA over five or zero? Over five. Correct. One for one. Nicely done. Yeah. Is there an Taylor option Hearn's to ERA? say is there an option yeah. to say that's not a real reliever? <laughs> Are you sprinkling in no, any guys no, who are I'm not, not real I'm not guys? Gonna, I'm not going to sprinkle in fake ones, although that is that would be another fun game, which maybe we can play down the road. My my thought process there, just to walk you through it, was he's on the Rangers. He's on the Rangers. That's good. That's that's totally, totally, totally fair. All right. Uh, our next one, Tanner Rainey with the Washington Nationals. Tanner Rainey. That's <laughs> real good shit, man. Tanner Rainey. There's is Tanner Rainey's ERA over five or is it zero? There is no pitcher that better exemplifies the question over five or zero than Tanner Rainey. And I'm going to go with zero, Jordan. No, that is incorrect. <laughs> Tanner Rainey has been very bad. He gave up a bunch of homers early. I was super excited about Tanner Rainey. I know um, people thought, oh, wow, this guy, he's the real future closer. No, uh, his ERA currently okay. sits at it's a not zero. You sure? 56.48. It's at eight. Not even really striking that many guys out. So, Tanner Rainey. All right, our next guy here. We are going to go with Tim Meza of the Toronto Blue Jays. Tim Meza, a Division II icon. Tim Meza, Blue Jays bullpen that has been quite rocky, but obviously it's been good enough to where you know they've survived. They're still in the mix here. We know they don't have Kirby Yates. 
Does Tim Mesa have an ERA of zero or over five? Um, um, zero. Zero because the Blue Jays have some wins. Nicely done. Tim Mesa in 12 appearances has yet to allow an earned run. Nicely done, Jake Mintz. You are two, four, three. Nicely done. All right, we move on to Thank our you. next name. We're going to go with another Toronto Blue Jays reliever, Tyler Chatwood. Does Tyler no way. Chat over five. Ty- over five. Chatwood over five. Over five. Uh, over five. Are you willing to go over ten? Are you willing? Do I hear over ten? <laughs> do I hear over ten? How high would you go? How high can you go? It can, I'll give you the opportunity. You can get double points if you nail yeah. exactly how many what his ERA is. Seven okay, nine so. three. Seven point nine three ERA. Oh no! Tyler sorry, Chow. your question. Uh, t- t- Tyler his ERA is zero. Tyler Chatwood has Fuck. not earned run yet. He has not started a game yet, too. I think that was something we were worried about. Tyler Chatwood was going to be like their fourth starter, and it's very possible he might have to be at some point this year. But no, Tyler Chatwood in eight <laughs> games has not allowed an earned run. Uh, let's do a couple more here before we get to the good, the bad, the ugly. Sal Romano of the Cincinnati Reds. Sal Romano. Over. I've, I've watched him allow okay, right. runs for <laughs> okay. sure. Okay, yeah. 7-7-0-4. Seven, seven, oh, okay, that was, that was what he's All right. Uh, okay, let's go with Taylor Clark of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I know you have not watched any of the Arizona Diamondbacks, certainly not late game Arizona Diamondbacks. So they I still feel wearing like purple? One... <laughs> they still wearing purple? Uh, Taylor Clark, is his ERA over five or is it zero? Taylor Clark of the Diamondbacks, one of, if not my favorite pitcher in the world, obviously has an ERA of zero. He's been dominant this year, just racking up outs. No one can touch him. And he's a huge part of why the Arizona Diamondbacks sit at 15 and 13 right now. Uh, No, you're wrong. His ERA... (laughs) <laughs> is 552. He has not really contributed, although uh, credit to Taylor Clark, uh, alum of Broad Run High School, the high school of former baseball barbecue guest Matt Ritchie. Shouts out to Matt Ritchie. So two Broad Run legends there. Uh, Matt Ritchie's ERA, I believe, is zero this year uh, with yeah. the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays. So shouts out to him. All right, one Go final Jays. one for you today. Then we will go yeah. to Good, Bad, the Ugly. Yeah. Kyle Crick of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Kyle Crick of the Pittsburgh Pirates has been embroiled in all kinds of weird uh, in, in the class controversy with the with the Pirates. But the Pirates have not sucked. The Pirates are not good, but they are not eight and twenty one like the Tigers. Is Kyle Crick's ERA zero or is it over five? So Kyle Crick is one of, if not a pitcher in the major leagues. <laughs> Kyle Crick used to be on the Giants and Kyle Crick. Someone has a reputation for being kind of hard to deal with sometimes. But I will guess that that reputation of being hard to deal with extends to hitters as well (laughs) because of a wipeout slider that has helped him to a zero ERA so far this year. You can put it on the board. Crick. Crick. That is correct. Kyle Crick and Richard Rodriguez both rocking zero ERAs. For the Buckos, credit to them. That has certainly kept them not as terrible as some of the other bad teams. So there you go. Maybe, Jake Mintz, may- thank you for playing. Maybe Rich Rod will get together with J-Lo. <laughs> very, very, very likely. If he keeps that. How many, how many, Bro, how many you scoreless imagine, innings? Could, just imagine. Imagine J-Lo's like, yeah, like, I didn't, eight round and it didn't, didn't really turn out right. But 
I've been watching a lot of Pirates games, and that Richard Richard Rodriguez is actually a pretty good looking guy. Yeah. So, how many scoreless innings for Richard Rodriguez to get J Lo's attention? That's the if that's if, the real question. if Richard Rodriguez can throw like sixty innings this year without allowing an earned run, can he get J Lo's attention? I think so. No. I don't. Would, think so. would he win the Cy Young if he did that? Sixty uh, scoreless. No, Fernando yes. Rodney yes. was. I don't even know what he finished that year when he had the point six. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, all right, there you go. Thank uh, if, you for if, if he gets together with JLo, then yes. Okay, yes. Then he gets. Oh, I see. If he gets together with JLo and doesn't allow a run for sixty innings, would he More also likely. get the job back at Michigan football? Are you familiar with the college football coach Richard Rodriguez from the mid two thousand, late two thousands? This is a different. Wasn't guy though, right? he also a coach at Arizona? Liability. Yes, he was at, at Arizona, Arizona or West what? Virginia. What? West Virginia Both. as well. Both. What are we? What? Where is Jake pulling this knowledge out of? What is going Jake on? Jake played a little NCAA football two thousand eight. Let's go. No. No, I'm this a Michigan is Jake, man. No, 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 no. What this is, is Jake Googled Richard Rodriguez in the last 10 seconds and accidentally nope. got nope. the Richard Rodriguez. Nope. Wig- swear to God. <laughs> swear to God. Swear. Hand, hand to Trout. Hand, hand to Trout. Okay. I did not do that. We just have things in our brains. Okay. It, it's funny that you even called him Rich Rod, too, because that was like, that was the, the coach's nickname, too. Uh, wow. I just want to say that for all of you, he's like, I don't give a shit about these relievers. You will, because on July 31st, you will certainly be caring about these two Pirates relievers with zero ERAs. I promise you that will be relevant. Richard Rodriguez is going to be on the Red Sox in mid-June, and then you'll care. Okay, Jordan, good, bad, ugly. Good, Tell me bad, what this is all ugly. about. Let's do it. Uh, I'm going to go first this week. You got to explain the bit. You got to explain oh, the bit. We, explain you never bit. know if we have new listeners. Hey, if you're new, welcome. You can take off your shoes. If you're new, if you're new and you're like, Wow, that was a lot of Taylor Clark to chat. Jeez. But right, I'm well, in. I made it this far. <laughs> let's 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 see what else these guys have to say. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly is where we say what was good and bad in baseball in the past week. And also what was ugly in honor of Rule 5 legend, the forearm, Mr. Forearms himself, uh, Dan Ugla. We miss him dearly. We wish he was still playing baseball and getting minor league contracts, but he is not. So we celebrate his legacy here on this segment with the weirdest thing in baseball that happened in the last week. Okay. And his name is Dan Ugla. We're going to begin with the good. And I'm going to keep it very basic. And I'm going to talk about Chris Bryant, who was just named the National League Player of the Month. Chris Bryant, part of this Cubs team that has obviously underperformed, not at all because of him. Chris Bryant Of the month? Of the month. I believe. Did, no. People not watch Acuna? Uh, I believe. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. If I if it was player of the week and I'm wrong, I apologize. But I'm pretty sure that it was Chris Bryant. Uh, never mind. I am wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. No Sorry. way. Oh, player of the hold week. On. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, stick with me here because now I, I know I sound very stupid. But when you look at Chris Bryant, you say, okay, well, whoa, what the, what the fuck? Have, has anyone watched Acuna? Okay. Ronald Acuna and Chris Bryant have both played 26 games. They have both hit nine home runs. Their WRC pluses are within one point of each other. And yes, of course, I would rather have Ronald Acuna Jr. for the rest of the for the rest of the season. But I think Chris Bryant getting back to this level is not only a huge deal for obviously the Cubs who are probably going to trade him, and it's going to be way more interesting than if they had traded him this past offseason for nothing, because that's what his trade value was this past year. Uh, this is a huge deal because for the for the whole season or you know coming it's just like oh it's just trevor story everyone no one else is going to get traded none of these other guys get traded 
Chris Bryant, he is, first of all, he was an all-star in 2019. We act like his 2020 season, which was, again, 34 games, was just like the end of his career. This dude was one of the best players in baseball. Retire, since he Chris arrived. Bryant, retire, bitch. Yeah, like, it's, it's so ridiculous that we expect, like, yeah, guess what? Playing baseball in 2020 was no, was no fun, and it probably affected some players more than others. And he is back. He's slugging 700. He's leading the league in doubles and homers. His OPS plus is over 200. He's all the way back. I'm a full believer. I love to see it. He's great, no matter how bad the Cubs are. Happy to have Chris Bryant, good Chris Bryant back in my life. Jordan, on Sunday night, something good happened. And it wasn't just the Mets winning. And it wasn't all the madness around the Reese Hoskins home run, not home run. Jordan, Jonathan Villar did something mm. absolutely delightful. For those of you who did not see the game, Jonathan Villar, I believe, was on first base. A rocket was hit to Reese Hoskins. It got by him. It trickled into right field. Hoskins retrieved the ball as VR rounded second and slowed up, jogging into third. Hoskins then lightly tossed the ball to his teammate, at which point VR broke for home, sliding in on what was certainly a mental error from friend of the barbecue. But one of the more exciting baseball plays that we really ever get to see, they are extraordinarily common in high school, in college. <laughs> in Little League, and extraordinarily rare in Major League Baseball just because players are so good and they're usually playing more attention and their arms are incredible that very rarely can you catch someone napping like this. And I think that Jonathan VR is the type of player who he makes this play because of the amount of time he spent playing in the Dominican Winter League. Because plays like this in the Dominican are a much more foundational part of the style of play there, right? Because there are fewer homers and there's more small ball. Dudes are taking extra bases all the time and looking for opportunities to score runs like that. And like VR, I'm sure, has done this multiple times there where he caught someone napping and made it happen. And there was just a certain amount of energy where it felt like he was a 14-year-old playing with nine-year-olds. And it was like, I'm going to run home and I'm faster than everyone and bigger and better and you can't catch me. It was yeah. great. It was such a jaw-dropping play and a very rare one and one we don't get to see. Unequivocally good. It's a great point because you're right. It is the kind of play that, that you know, we, we think about why major leaguers are better and a lot of it has to do with just like the physicality and the actual physical abilities of them to perform the baseball actions. But also so much of it is that they're the best of the best because they're professionals and they pay attention, right? And so mental errors like this are so rare. And the the gall, the bravery, the willingness to risk, because again, the reason why these plays are happening is one, because usually the defenders are paying attention. And also because it's so risky for the player to, to attempt something like this, because if you fuck that up, that's like the worst feeling you can have as a major leaguer is yeah. attempting something yeah. that reckless and getting thrown out, right? That's why base running mistakes, stuff like that, get criticized so heavily because we want our players to be smart. And base running is something that is always either rewarded for the guys like VR who are willing to, or Tatis, of course, as, as we've seen, Acuna, take the extra base, go for it. Like that is some of the most exciting plays in baseball just from, as, from an observer, but also from the standpoint of risk reward. Uh, it does take that experience. So great call, yeah. great play. And uh, Jonathan VR, again, he hasn't really, he has to contribute in ways like that, right? Because right. that's kind of why he's not going to be, you know, slugging whatever. Like he's got to, he's got to win those plays. But he bought himself like two weeks of goodwill. <laughs> right. right. He pushed the DFA back uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot, uh, a lot farther down the line. All right. 
Uh, for my bad this week, I'm going to stay with the Mets, and I want to talk a little bit about the Mets hitting coach situation and just hitting coaches in general. And the reason I'm going to call this bad, um, and I want Bobby's opinion on this because I know he said he has a little, some thoughts. I mean, the basic reason it's bad is because the Mets offense has been bad. The Mets have the fewest home runs in baseball. I believe they are bottom five in offensive war for all teams. They are down there with Detroit and with Pittsburgh and with Cleveland, just offenses that are absolutely putrid. Of course, their lineups are infinitely better than the other ones. What, what, I thought Bobby? we were burying Jake, not burying Bobby. Jesus, you're just crushing the Mets. <laughs> Bury right Bobby Wagner night at well, the Brooklyn Cyclones game, even though we play on turf. Well, throw Dang, his body Jordan, into, we get it. They're bad. Jeez. It's bad, right. The offense is well, bad, but okay. Throwing so, Bobby into the ocean off the Coney Island boardwalk like he died at sea. This is... The the notion of the hitting coach, and again, this this comes on the heels of a week of jokes about a, what appears to be an, an imaginary hitting coach, who I guess is helping them more than the real hitting coaches are, but not can't make this stuff is, up. It is an extremely bizarre look, and so while my basic bad is the can Mets, you explain offense, that mostly the Mets explain, slugging. Can, can you explain that everything you just said because. I barely get the Donnie Stevenson thing, and I assume that there are people listening to this who have no idea. Ken Bobby, because I'm also at only like 78% uh, uh, comprehension. But C's get degrees, Jordan. Um, I, I, I think that it was just like the players decided to like make a bit. You know, they wanted to do bits. Everybody's doing bits these days. You know, podcasters, True. MLB players. Anytime Major League Baseball players want to do a bit, I'm game. Unless it's racist. <laughs> Which it can be. I think that it was just a bit that the players decided to do to like loosen up the situation a little bit. You know, things were getting tense. There's all these stories about how they can't hit. There's all these, you know, Twitter hot take artists about how Chili Davis ruins the team within two years. You know, it all looks good the first year and then the second, third year rolls around and the team can't hit anymore. I wanted to ask you guys, my thoughts on this were I have basically nothing intelligent to say about what a hitting coach does for a team yeah. in a month's worth of games. Like, I, there's no tangible way to measure that. All I know is the the circumstantial evidence is so severe that there's, like, not enough room in the evidence room at this point. Like, we're, <laughs> we're running out of space in the evidence room for Chili Davis being bad for good lineups in Major League Baseball. Okay. A month ago, a month ago, the season started. The Mets were, were rolling out right before the Nats got COVID and everything got delayed. And the team was feeling great about their lineup and about Chili Davis presumably being the one in charge of that lineup. And a month later, he's no longer qualified for the job. That's weird to me. I don't yes. think a hitting coach is having that much impact over a lineup day in and day out where like a month does it's also something significant. Now, that being said, I understand the, the need and desire to shake things up. That's right, like, also the reason that you shake things up, though, right? Because if a hitting coach is not the yeah. reason that it's good or bad, then it's not that big of a deal to replace the hitting coach, even well, if all it true. does is have a placebo effect on the team. Sure. I agree with that. I mean, again, it's it's more just weird because they were a top three offense in baseball last year. But again, it's 60 games. So it's like they're just as capable of having an awesome 60 game stretch over the next 60 games. We keep referring to 2020 as a season. But it's like they were as top three offense. And now they're not. They're obviously not that. And this is a team that added, they they subtracted Ahmed Rosario 
and and who and Wilson Ramos and Anna James McCann, Francisco Lindor, and they have been so much worse. That's Silver Slugger Wilson Ramos to you, Jordan. So yeah, he still might be. So it's that is where the equation is weird. But I agree with Jake. Like I don't. I mean, you're both right because it's like on one hand, it's like what the hell different? There's no way this is Chili Davis's fault. On the other hand, it's like yeah, well, I mean, it's not gonna make. It's not like it's gonna ruin them to get rid of him if Chili Davis was actually good at his job. Uh, I don't think hitting coaches make this much of a difference, almost no matter what. So I'm sorry if that's, I know a lot of players would tell you that's stupid. I just, I don't think that this is what, it's hard to blame it on that, I think. Yeah, but if like, if, if Chili Davis's only job is to tell Lindor to stop pulling his hips out three seconds before his bat gets through the zone and he's not doing that, then I guess there is reason to just replace right. him. You know what I mean? Sure. That being said, that brings up a good point. Everyone listening, we're one more week away from Lindor panic yet. I, I know maybe Jordan is kind of there. Bobby maybe is there, but we're not we're not full panic mode just yet, which is why You're we're not, not talking about it. I'm not, I'm not pa- I'm not panicking. I, we're not I, talking about it. We're not talking about we're not we're fine. Everything's fine. We're good. Everything's fine. Everything is good. Shouts my, out. I'm not panicking about Lindor t shirt. <laughs> as has people asking me questions. Shouts out to uh the new hidden coach for the New York Mets, Jordan. What is his his, his oh, silly yes, name? Hugh he needs to be the Mariners. What? Hugh, Hugh Quattlebaum, baby. And I'm supposed to believe that Donnie Stevenson is made up, and you're like, hey, check out Hugh Quattlebaum. If yeah. if it turns out that Hugh Quattlebaum was Donnie Stevenson the whole time, oh, uh, that's a conspiracy. If I'm chilly, I'm mad at that point. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, There's a media no, operation right, to get me out of this job. But Bobby's right. Like a lot of this is just like okay, if they start hitting, it's not like Chili Davis was holding it back. Like These baseball players just need to feel like something has changed. All right, Jordan, let's talk about my bad because it's not just the Mets that are uh, hitting that is, that, that, that is bad. Uh, the Angels are bad. The Angels are bad, and the Angels are bad again. The Angels are not the worst, but they are certainly not good. And we've talked about this before. Everyone talks about this all the time. The Los Angeles Angels have the greatest player of a generation, they have the most incredible, mind-boggling two-way superstar we've ever seen since Babe Ruth. And they had the money to sign Anthony Rendon. And they were magically somehow developed Jared Walsh. And they still suck. The Angels are a catastrophe. They cannot build a legitimate team around Mike Trout. I don't think they ever will, honestly. And it's not Perry Manazian's fault, the GM who just got there. And it wasn't Billy Epler's fault. And it's all Artie Moreno because he's the constant. He's the, like, what is the Field of Dreams quote? An army of steamrollers is steamed by and rolled again. And the constant has been baseball and Artie Moreno meddling (laughs) in the Angels. Like, they're just an embarrassing team, man. They're just. I I mean, look, the, the difference is like, okay, if you do look at the pitching staff and the ERAs are ugly. The strikeouts are there. I mean, it's not like they're, I mean, they're giving up so many hits. But I said earlier, like, oh, well, all the one-year additions, which, again, is significant because the problem here is that this is not something, when we talk about building around Mike Trout, this has always been so temporary. It has not been, okay, let's build the farm up. Let's build pieces that we will, that we will grow together and be here for a long time. They slapped together 10 guys on one-year deals this year, and Dexter Fowler, 
out for the year. I mean, that's the shitty injury. That's whatever, right? Cobb, bad. Quintana, terrible. Jose Iglesias, what a surprise. He's not hitting 350 anymore. Like, I'm stunned. Oh. I, can't, I can't believe that his OPS plus is back down to 75. Like, it's just, it's it's not worked. It hasn't worked. It is. It's I, like I, going no to the to store work. and it's like going to the store and buying like some really beautiful $45, $50, you know, T-bone steaks and being like, Ooh, I do have all those old zucchinis from last month in the fridge that I could whip up around them. Ooh, and there's that rice I made two months ago that's crusty on the bottom of my rice cooker. I could just put that all together and it'll be like a, I have the steaks though, so it's fine. No, bad meal. <laughs> Still a bad meal. <laughs> Still a bad meal. Uh, yeah, and then of course, bullpen, Rise of Iglesias has been terrible. Like, whatever. It, it's not. It's nothing new. Like, I, again, they're they're not, they don't suck. When we say they suck, we're saying they suck because they should be really good. You have Mike Trout, Shoei Otani. Can we stop comparing to Babe Ruth? He's a thousand times better than Babe Ruth could ever freaking yeah. dream of. He is their best pitcher. He is their second best hitter. He is one of the most amazing things we will ever see. He's doing it every day. He's played in every single freaking game that they've had this season. He is unbelievable. He's Jordan. doing more than we ever could have imagined. And it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Doesn't I, matter. I have a take. I think yeah. Babe Ruth is better relative <laughs> okay. to the time. I know that <laughs> what Shohei Otani is doing is incredible, but like you have to go look at uh, Babe Ruth's baseball reference page. I'm no, sorry. I, I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty familiar. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't need to be the, Hey everyone. Not sure if you saw Babe Ruth was good guy, Yeah, but no, that's, fair. that's a good point. Babe that's Ruth is pretty good. good. All right. That's fine. I'd like to see Shohei do it for like two years. <laughs> Um, uh, good, bad. I mean, that's amazing that moment just there bad. on the on baseball barbecue. Don't let it pass by, listeners. Just Jay coming out in full throated defense of Babe Ruth. <laughs> People, I'd forget like to, about quote, I'd like to see it for two years. I'd like to see Shohei do this for two years before we put him above. I don't know the fourth best, third best player of all time. Uh, Sorry. Also, Mike Call Trout. me old fashioned. Am I okay? Actually, you know what? You're right. Babe Ruth is better. You're right. Babe Ruth is better than than Shohei Tani. Not better than Mike Trout. Mike Trout probably better than Babe Mike Ruth. Trout. Better. Mike Trout. Also better. on Mike the Angels. Better. Mike Trout. So there Mike Trout okay. Uh, for my ugly this week, we go to Milwaukee. But wait, actually, we're going to briefly go to Seattle. Oh wait, just kidding. Now we're going to go back to Milwaukee. Let me tell you about Jacob Nottingham. Jacob Nottingham, a catcher who I believe came up with the Houston Astros organization. Uh, ended up with um, Milwaukee um, a few years back. He uh, debuted with the Brewers in 2018. He's basically just like a your average backup catcher prospect. He's got some pop. Okay, people. He's a great teammate. People like having him around. Okay, Jacob Nottingham. Great. Sounds so a J- lot like me. Yeah, Jacob Nottingham. Uh, about um, two weeks ago, or not even two weeks ago, like a week ago, was selected off waivers by the Mariners. Uh, because they were like, you know what? We could use some catching depth. It would be great. They did. The Brewers DFA'd him because they had Omar Narvaez, they had Manny Pena, and they had other guys. Okay, great. Jacob Nottingham. They claim that the Mariners claim him. He goes to Houston, is active for a game, does not appear in a game. And then because the Brewers then have an Omar Narvaez injury and a million COVID ILs and non-COVID ILs, they're like, shit, we need a catcher. Oh, what was that guy's name? Right, Jacob Nottingham. Boom. Trade back for him. They give the Mariners cash, which is like appears to be some sort of Jerry Depoto money laundering scheme, which is freaking hilarious. And Jacob Nottingham returns to Milwaukee and hits two home runs on Sunday against the Dodgers, his first career two homer game. And I just, I just think this is hilarious. I think this is bizarre. I would love to know what Jacob Nottingham did with the Mariners. I would love to know. I want to be there for the meeting when Scott Service tells him 
you're going back to Milwaukee. Like, I just would love to know how his mind has worked over these last you know week or so. There's also something about being with an organization for a long time and having to mentally, you know, prepare yourself to leave. I was, I remember talking to a friend of the show, Nick Heath, when he went from the Royals to the Diamondbacks and, you know, Nick had been a Royal for like four years, right? Like you grow up around these people around the same coaches, the same players wearing the same shirts. Like that means something to you. And to kind of like take that leap to a new chapter in your career and in your life takes a lot of courage, a lot of bravery and like a lot of emotional effort. And like Jacob Nottingham had to do all that, right? When he left Milwaukee. And then like a couple of days later, he was like, oh, I'm back. <laughs> and it's too oh, okay, I'm back. Like, right, like, right. That, exactly. Not just the logistical stuff, which I think is fascinating, but the emotional processing of like, wow, like this is it. Like I say, hey, sorry, guy. Like Damn. I'm going to miss you guys. And like, oh, end of an era. Uh, end of an era. It's like, or not. Wow. <laughs> So anyway, uh, and now I would love, I mean, I guess as a Mariners fan, I'm like, well, damn, what if, if Jacob Nottingham goes and becomes this amazing player somehow? It's like, well, what could have been? But anyway, I would love to see him continue to thrive with the Brewers because it is hilarious. Uh, all right. What do you got for Ugly this week? Pfeiffer. Let's talk about Pfeiffer, Jordan Schusterman. Okay, everyone uh, put on your D3 baseball hats because it's it's weirdness time. So I'm not even totally sure how to jump. I'm just going to go. Just going to go. Okay. There are two schools. They are called Pfeiffer and William and William Peace. They are in the same conference. In March, they played a game that was tied at 21 when the lights went out in the top of the ninth inning because the game was so long that it was midnight and they were not legally allowed to continue to have the lights on so late. Okay, game is tied 21-21 in the ninth inning. Months pass. The uh, conference uh, picture gets clarified and it turns out that that resumed game between William Peace and Pfeiffer is going to decide who makes the conference tournament to get an automatic bid to get into the playoffs, okay? Pretty crazy. Tied in the bottom of the ninth at 21. Game gets resumed. (laughs) Game gets resumed. Goes to the top of the 10th. And Pfeiffer walks things off in the bottom of the 10th inning. They've done it. They've beat William Peace. And it looks like Pfeiffer will be going to the playoffs. However... Inexplicably, a game pops up on their schedule the following day, a conference game. They play it. They lose it. They then have a worse winning percentage than William Peace, and William Peace makes the conference playoffs instead of Pfeiffer. This is a great This is a great uh, combination off of the Nottingham story because, again, we talk about emotional processing. And these are teams that are not necessarily at-large teams. If it's just, they're not going to get in if they don't win the conference tournament. So their season, William Peace believed their season was over. They go down to fight for two-hour drive. They lose in the bottom of the 10th, 22 to 21, a game that they started a month and a half ago. And they you, think you have kids sitting on that bus yeah. going home. I will never play baseball again. Yeah. My is, career, the feeling. decades My of work over. is yes. over. Yes. Then that evening they see, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? Pfeiffer's playing Mary Baldwin tomorrow. Mary Baldwin's one in 18 in conference. They just have to beat Mary Baldwin. Well, my career is probably still over. Like, do you believe I'm not in miracles? I'm not yes! going to get my hopes up because, you know, it's not like Fiverr's going to go lose to 1-18 Mary Baldwin. Oh, just kidding. They did. Oh, just kidding. Now you have to go play in the conference tournament four days later, right after you believed your career was over. I mean, literally revived from the dead. Unbelievable T- shit. Tough bounce for Pfeiffer, you know, waiting two months to resume a 21-21 to game. Winning it. And then 
not having enough games in conference and losing the next day to a bad team. That's oh, ugly. Oh, man. Oh, That's ugly. The ugliest of all time. Uh, Jake, I think we have done it. I think we have recorded a baseball barbecue podcast. I think this yeah. is a pretty good. I, I mean, I guess you guys can let us know. Um, I thought it was all right. I, I, won't, right. Uh, I won't speak for it. But um, this has been fun. Bobby Wagner, thank you for producing I gotta, as always. Jake, I, gotta, I guess this What's I up? Do it. Say it. Say for those of you curious about my bike trip to Chicago, oh, we yeah. have a little bit of news. We have dates, everyone. Ooh. We have dates. I'd just like to say that, just like I said after you, after Larissa actually got hired, we delivered. Me and Jordan, we held you to this. We held your feet to the fire. We said, "Get on that bike, get your butt to Chicago." Well, first, we said, "This get is those no cleat, baby. <laughs> You're going." <laughs> you didn't have to. I mean, I was. I've been ready to go. I've been Jones, and I've been. This is great. This is an adventure for the ages. Okay. Now, okay, what uh, are the, dates? the the grant apart. The grand depart will be. This is like the on. Titanic. Everybody waves and then like stuff happens. What does like that? What does that mean? Like really what are you bad. inferring there? What are you yeah, inferring there? That's maybe not a great West Michigan Whitecaps game. <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, I will be leaving New York City, my apartment on Ju- on July Wednesday, July twenty first, middle of the day, or Wednesday. Eh, no, th- Thursday, July twenty second. Maybe we don't have dates. Thursday, July twenty second. I'll be <laughs> don't leaving even know my the apartment. first day. You're ready to say it on the podcast. You don't. I got know it the wrong. I had it wrong on my date. calendar. Thursday, July 22nd, I'll be leaving my apartment on a fucking bike, Chicago bound. We will be seeing minor league baseball games on the way. It will be a joy. I will be rolling into Chicago, the beautiful city of Chicago, I believe on Wednesday. Hopefully on a downhill so the momentum carries you because you won't have legs by then. Won't have legs left on Wednesday, August 4th for a game between the White Sox and the Royals. I will be there for the 5th. And then on the sixth, Bobby, White Sox Cubs might have to stick around in Chicago. So that's the general timeline for people. We're going to have more specifics on it as we get closer. If you're out there and like you want to do some of it with me, sure. Let me know. Do you live in rural Pennsylvania and want to like sit on and ride? Great. You're invited. Yeah, we have. We've gotten a lot of notes like, hey, I'll ride this chunk of Ohio with you. Um, I don't know if we'll we'll. Make the hat. I mean, I get. I don't see why not. I mean, I'm sure Jake would appreciate the company. Uh, I'm very excited, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to raise a lot of money for charity, and it's going to be a good laugh. That is all. Whether Tony Larusso is there at the end, TBD or not. Thank you for listening to Baseball Barbecue. Thank I, you, Bobby. I just want to say really quick, producing. Jordan. I, I think that Babe Ruth is better than Jared Walsh. I'd like to put that on the record for our listeners. Now you know where Bobby Wagner stands. We will be back. Uh, Looking at the numbers and this this George Herman guy could really swing the stick. We will be back next week. Hopefully the Mariners can clinch the BBQ Bowl tonight. Minor League Baseball, welcome back. Get your MILB TVs going and watch some Minor League Baseball tonight. Buy some merch, support these teams, and enjoy the addition of Minor League Baseball to our baseball calendars. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.